of Proverbs, studying in our, our study through the book of Proverbs, looking at various topics. And tonight's, we're going to look at um, the, the road that's before us. Which way are you traveling is the title of the message. Because in the book of Proverbs, you find that there are a number of uh, verses that point us in a direction or warn us not to go in a certain direction. And just two directions, that's all the people go in. They're either going towards the Lord and the way of righteousness, or they're going into the path of destruction on their way to hell. And the book of Proverbs has both a warning and an exhortation for those that are following the Lord, a warning for those that aren't, and an exhortation for those that are. The Bible says this in Proverbs 4.26, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. And let's pray tonight. Lord, we are again opening up the word of God. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, you show us the way as the word of God is a light unto our feet and a light unto our path. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, even tonight that as we look at these scriptures, uh, some of these are very simple statements. And yet, Lord, help them to sit themselves or seat themselves deeply in our hearts that we might truly follow you in jesus name amen ponder the path of your feet sometimes it's good to stop and just say what road am i on and as a believer even am i following the lord on that way that narrow way of righteousness the bible says this in proverbs sixteen twenty-five: there's a way that seems right to man but its end is the way of death And I would say that's that broad path that Jesus spoke about. There are many out there tonight that are on that road that is a spiritual road and it is a way of destruction and they are going to lose their life in the end and be separated from God for all eternity. But if you were to stop anybody tonight on that road, most of them would say, I'm on the right road, even though they aren't. Sometimes uh, we, we have to stop and ponder, you know, where we're going and all that. It was Albert Einstein, uh, as the story went, that one night he got onto a train and as he was getting ready to depart the station, the conductor was coming through the car and the conductor was looking for everybody's tickets and Einstein was uh, going through all his, his papers and his briefcase and everything looking for his ticket. And of course, everybody on the train had recognized him. He was pretty much very easily you know, recognizable. And when the conductor came to him, he said, Oh, uh, Mr. Einstein, it's no problem if you don't have your ticket. And he says, we all know who you are. And he said, well, I know who I am too, but I do not know where I'm going. He didn't have his ticket. and He didn't know when he, where he would get off. And, you know, that's a problem. If you didn't have your ticket, you don't know where you, and even if you're Albert Einstein, right? Uh, he just didn't know where he was supposed to get off the train and whatever train it was on. But I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's a lot of people in this life. We're scrambling around to look for our ticket. We don't really know where we're going. And I'm saying that we as humanity, I hope that for the believer and for those who are students of the Bible, you know where you're going. We've been singing those songs tonight, like higher ground. Are you, are you headed to higher ground? I hope so, because that's what the Bible tells us we're going to. Don't be living in the low country when you're going to high ground, right? Um, I think of, you know, marching to Zion, that beautiful hymn. And I, I can picture in my mind, you know, people headed to Zion, you know, the spiritual city of God. And uh, someday we're going to be there. 
I don't know if we'll sing it that way. We're going to sing a new song, the Bible says, in the book of Revelation. It says that, and it'll be a song of the redeemed. Wonderful truth. Jesus also warned, he says this in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I think it's amply clear that Jesus was not a universalist. And what I mean by that is universalism teaches, um, and it's heretical, teaches that eventually everybody gets to heaven. Um, The Bible declares that there's a narrow way into the kingdom, into Christ's uh, dwelling. And that narrow path is through him. It's not hard in the sense that we have to do anything, but it's hard for us to humble ourselves and turn from our sin to follow a Savior. And that's the the reality of man. The question is, which way are you traveling? And uh, there are two ways, the narrow way and the broad way. And we're going to look at the narrow way here, first of all. Now, the narrow way is a picture of the righteous person, the person who knows the Lord, the person who is directed by his word, and the person that is headed that way that God wants them to go. And I like what Proverbs has all kinds of verses that deal with this. And the, the righteous man, the righteous person, doesn't follow after that crowd that's on the way of destruction. He says in Proverbs 2, verse 11, Discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you and again that's the knowledge of god and where there is no knowledge of god and the further people get away from that knowledge uh the greater the amount of sin that comes up in any society and history reveals that over and over again to deliver you from the way of evil one of the aspects of the lord's prayer is we say lord deliver us from evil he's able to do that Some of it is through the deliverance of knowledge, knowing what is right and wrong. And sometimes it is the very aspect that God himself delivers us and keeps us from evil and going that way. From the man who speaks perverse things. From those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. Whose ways are crooked and are devious in their paths and again that just explains that there are two roads and two ways and there is these that have departed from that way and indeed they have whether um, you know our basically if you think of our sin our sin has separated us from God we're already born that way we're shaped in iniquity the Bible says we're already bent to go on the wrong path already and the further we get from the garden really and apart from God Uh, except he intervene and except people return to him it'll just get worse and worse and worse the writer here warns those and he encourages others to stay on that path i have taught you in the way of wisdom i have led you in right paths and we are also uh, not only given the wisdom of the word of god but we're given others in our walk that go walking with us in our spiritual walk like he says i have led you in right paths the lord himself is with us as he will never leave us nor forsake us but 
There are others also, and I think of those in my own life throughout the years as a Christian who have walked with me through some hard times, have walked with me through joyous times. Uh, There are many of you right here tonight that have walked alongside of me and my wife and our kids in the last almost nine years now and have walked with us in our journey and encouraged my kids to follow the Lord and can continue that direction and those things. And I just say thank you, Lord, for that, that we have others on this journey as well. And he says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Uh, I kind of wish that was there was a physical application to that because all of us have run and stumbled right all of us have walked and had our our steps hindered if you go out into the snow without snowshoes even with snowshoes right now you're not going to go very fast you're going to be hindered if you try to go anywhere in the woods right now but the Lord gives us his path and he's our forerunner and he's he's already broken trail and I look at that verse and I think about that He says, take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And here he personifies the idea of wisdom and instruction and says, don't let her go. And I think that's important. It's too easy to let go, isn't it? Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter onto the perfect day. And the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You know, I thought of that last verse there, especially the contrast between those who walk in the path of light and it gets brighter day by day, right? Your eyes are opened by the Lord and we see things as they really are. And in doing so, with spiritual eyes, you can look and see, hey, that's sin. I'm not going to go there. And don't, don't play with it. Don't go near it, the writer here says. But for those that do go on that path and are evil... They are there, and they are going to be there, and they don't sleep until they have made someone else fall in their way. And he tells us of that. Again, very simple instruction, but sometimes, uh, not sometimes, I need to be reminded of that all the time. Because it's so easy to go into that way of, well, the way of sin. And we have to be careful with that. The Bible goes on to say, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And I like that because, um, you know, we're told here that if you, uh, there is an actual connection to following the Lord and righteousness and strength and health physically. And you might say, well, that isn't always the case, especially if you live in a place where you're persecuted or something like that. It might indeed bring health problems to you. But the general principle is this, that living a righteous life is a better life. You think about all the things that people do engaged in sin that create health problems in their life, you know, and a myriad of things. And I'm not going to go after, chase after all those things, but following the Lord... There is ample evidence that 
it actually increases your days and does that. And uh, I think of the numerous times I see uh, articles like this, and this was from October. A South Carolina woman who celebrated her 107th birthday last month delivered her secret to longevity, following God and the Bible. I do what the Bible tells me, Adele Julia Thompson told WLTX-TV. Born in 1915, Thompson has remarkably lived through 18 presidencies. She observed people during her early years riding horses and mules and has seen everything from the stock market crash of 1929 and World War II through the contemporary events, a true rarity. Quote, I had no dream of being 107 years, and Thompson said, but the Lord spared me and I try to do the right thing. And then she goes on to describe, oh, they describe her in this article. She's a mother of three, a grandmother of six, has 14 great-grandchildren, and even has three great-great-grandchildren. Thompson's family threw her a parade to celebrate her birthday on October 10th, and WLTX-TV sat down with the centenarian to understand her life and perspective. While discussing her birthday, she kept coming back to God. I thank the Lord to have me do the right thing until I, I uh, do go, she said, uh, she told them. Thompson is hardly the first person of, uh, to credit faith uh, for her longevity. Lawrence Brooks was the oldest known World War II veteran in the U.S. when he died in January at the age of uh, 112. And as his life was being celebrated and commemorated, friends and loved ones revealed Brooks had a secret to his longevity, actively loving God and loving others. Then there's Hester Ford, who died in 2021 at the age of 116, America's oldest living woman at the time. Ford summed up her life goal as follows, I'm living for the Lord. Finally, there's Martha Bailey, who turned 100 earlier this year. At the time, she said, loving the Lord is her secret to longevity. And the secret is the grace of God living in me, trying to live the best life that I could. And that's the secret, is loving the Lord. And I like that. I just like that, that the son, at the end of someone's, or nearing the end of their life, I mean, they might outlive all of us, but to still go back and credit that God led them and gave them hope and meaning in, in the whole process. And I, medical doctors will tell you that often people of faith come through diseases better, uh, they live longer. There's a lot of things like that. And again, that's not a blanket statement that guarantees you'll have good health. That isn't always the case at all. Sometimes we have bad health in just as much to glorify God. And sometimes even as young people die, um, either through tragedy or through disease, they give glory to God. But the point is that our days should be days following the Lord. And if he gives you 116 years on this earth, may it be joyful years of following him without regret. Well, there's a lot more that could be said with that. Um, Proverbs 10, verse 2. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. And by the way, how many at the end of their life probably would go back to that verse and say, that's so true. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing coming to the end of your life and you've spent your life maybe gaining money or some kind of you know big nest egg or something like that but it was done in you know ill means or through sin or those kind of things and there's a lot of activity like that and yet 
in the end, you lose that and your soul. Righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desires of the wicked. And then verse 6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And the hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. And the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. And uh, by the way, if you want a picture of uh, Adele uh, Thompson, that's her at 107. And I I actually listened to the interview. Um, It was on YouTube, and you can find it. But she just is a delight to listen to. And I thought, may she continue to have strength in these days and give glory to God in that. But again, those verses just show the difference between living for the Lord and not living for the Lord. And sometimes there's an immediate benefit physically in doing that. I'm going to move ahead here. There, I have a lot of verses, but I'm trying not to just shoot verses at you all night, but there are just so many that, that deal with this path. Proverbs 11.5, the righteous... Um, the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. You see that contrast, right? Uh, and, and you can just go look at our society today, how many are falling by their own wickedness. And you look at places in certain, well, really throughout our country, but you go to Chicago today and, you know, um, on any given weekend in Chicago, you'll have 30 or 40 shootings. And several of those will end up as a homicide. Um, and you have that, in, and it's, it's a society going at itself, following after wickedness. And it ends up consuming itself in sin. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. And you know what? That verse and those two verses really stick out to me is that God is for us and not against us. You know, a righteous man can fall, as he says, seven times. And, you know, you still can get up because he's on our side. He's with us, right? I say he's on our side. We're on his side. He's with us. (laughs) Just like we talked about this morning. And he... He allows us to get back up. And even if we fall in death, we're with him and we're in a better place. Think of all those things that go on. He describes the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The contrast there is the person that's out there in the secret dark places and their perverseness their bent towards sin is visible. God sees it. It's an abomination. But his secret counsel is with the upright. If you want to know the inside scoop of anything, know the Lord. Because he reveals things to us that only people of faith and people who know him and are close to him will see. I think of that in the context of the transfiguration experience in the Gospels. 
Um, who was there at the transfiguration of Christ? That's a question. Remember? All right, Moses and Elijah. But who was among the disciples who were there? Yep. And you had, well, you only had a few disciples, didn't you? You didn't have all the disciples. I often wonder why not. Where were the other ones? And I don't know if it's because Jesus didn't invite all of them, right? But here they go up onto the mountain with Jesus. And it could have been just as simple as this. And this is Jack Karen's sanctified imagination, so who knows where it goes. You ever been invited to go up a mountain? And you say, oh, never mind. It's a little bit too much work. I think I'm going to stay home today. Yet for those that accompanied Jesus that day, when they got up there, they saw him transfigured. They saw something that even other disciples didn't see. And, and I, I can't prove that. There was a reason that just some didn't go. It could be that they were the only ones invited, but they went. And because they went, they saw something others didn't. And I think when you stay close to the Lord and you're with him like that, he shows you things about his glory that only you will know or only those really close to him will know. And there are many Christians, many believers out there, they go through their life and they really don't see much of how God's power is demonstrated because they're not close to him. And that's sad. And I think that we should be a people that are, uh, as we pray, we expect God's going to answer and we have testimonies of, wow, this is how God answered because we know him and we see him. Anyways, that's kind of some of the thoughts on that. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. And I thought of that verse for a while. So the, the fear of evil drives us to do all kinds of things. It drives us to not go to places like dangerous places like South Sudan. <laughs> you know, it drives us to go and you know find refuge somewhere where we're comfortable and warm and have food and everything else and not do the hard things sometimes that are required of us that um, because we fear that you know and here the bible just simply says whoever listens to me that's wisdom and the lord will dwell safely and safety and often is really just a matter of perspective i mean there's truly idea of being safe and secure but in the lord you are and I, you've often heard that maybe the safest place to be is in the very center of God's will. And you know, I'd rather be in his will, walking through a minefield, than out of his will, in an easy chair somewhere by the beach. You know, Now you might have those enjoyable times, there's nothing wrong with that. But how many people you know, don't have that security and that safety in their life because they aren't near the Lord? The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter onto the perfect day. And we read this earlier in, there, in that. There's the broad way. That's the narrow way and then the broad way. And really you find over and over again um, this idea of picking up good habits and dangerous habits along the way. Proverbs 6.12 says, A worthless person... A wicked man walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet. He points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. 
Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. And so you have that picture of someone who is their whole life just devising evil and thinking of the next new evil thing that they can do. And it's in their heart continually. And their calamity, their destruction is going to come suddenly. It'll be like that. Someday they will also face the Lord. And don't be part of that crowd, the Bible warns us. It also warns about the backslider. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Oh, that's a good one. There are many ways to backslide in this world, isn't there? There's all kinds of ways. There are things that tempt each and every one of us, and it's easy to be filled with those things, but to have yourself empty in your soul. And here it just says a good man will be satisfied with the things from above. I think that should be part of our daily prayer. Lord, help me to find my deepest satisfactions today in you first. Because if you don't do that, and you don't arm yourself with that mentality of heart to say, Lord, I'm going to find my joys in you, we will seek joys in other things that are lesser things and they will leave us lacking and may cause us indeed to backslide. And that's not what we want, right? It's not what Christ wants. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man and he is caught in the cords of his sin. As I mentioned, it's like it eats itself, right? That cycle of sin. It gets worse and worse and then eventually devours itself with those included. He shall die for lack of instruction. How many people in this world have died because they did something they shouldn't have done and they did something in sin? And I often wonder about that, you know? It doesn't mean that we can't go off and do sin. I, mean, we, I know better than that. Christians do that sometimes. Shouldn't be the way we are. Uh, should always be walking, you know, even if you, if you stumble and backslide to repent and come back. And where you left God, go back to where you, you'll find him right there. You know, That's often the analogy people have, have used, and I, I often think of that. It's usually us that moves, not him, right? Uh, but back to that, think of the amount of people that are dying for lack of instruction, that they don't see that it's wrong to do a certain thing, and it leads to death in that. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. And the truth is, the Lord doesn't want us, um, like, internalizing, and, and this is sad, but so many, I think, in Christianity, I'm using that big umbrella again, they hold to a form of godliness, right, but deny the power thereof. And there are people out there that are so-called God-fearing people, but they are not only just, like, God-fearing, sort of, that's part of the plan, but also they have all this other stuff they worship. And the Lord takes notes of that and in note of that. And by the way, it leads to judgment in the house of God. Um, an illustration in scripture is from 2 Kings. In the captivity of Samaria by the Assyrians in uh, 2 Kings 17, this is the testimony of the people. It says, they feared the Lord, yet served their own gods. Now I find that verse such a, I don't know, oxymoron right you have they feared god but then they didn't is what it says they served other gods 
And, and how many people are like that? And I mean, we might be thinking about people who worship idols or they worship, you know, um, some stone image or, or something like that. But then they also say, but I'm a Christian or I, you know, follow the Lord. There's, there's certainly a lot of that. But really, you can strip away some of those things in your mind and let's make it a little more personal. Are there things that we're doing in our own life that we're serving other gods and not him? That's idolatry. And it is, it is a sin. You shall have no other gods before me, the Lord says. And if we do, again, those things, whatever it be, you can even take good things and make them ahead of God and they become sin. It says, according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. Sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the culture. It's really what it is. That's what was happening in the northern kingdom. They were caught up in the culture. And in doing so, the Lord was part of their plan or their worldview, but he wasn't their view. He was just part. Proverbs 25, 26, a righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. How true that is. For a believer who walks with the Lord, right, for a season or whatever, when they backslide, before those that are around them, guess what? They don't bring life. They bring nothing more than a murky spring and a polluted well. Instead, Christ wants us to be springs of living water right bringing him to them and that's why it's so important that we walk righteously before him uh, in these times we have to and it makes a big difference doesn't it well there's the narrow way the broad way and then there's the right choice and in the book of proverbs there's always that choice that is seen the two contrasting views the narrow way the broad way the way of sin or the way of righteousness and ultimately it comes down to where we need to we need to choose where we're going and whom we're serving and do that Um, if we don't we're going to be in trouble and you know sometimes the choices that we make influence others i shouldn't say sometimes they always influence others and i was thinking about this because um Years ago, true story, there was a young boy named Joseph. He had polio, and he was fairly crippled, and he was often bullied and teased and all that, and he was brought by his parents to a Sunday school, and he found that the kids in that Sunday school and the adults who were teaching it were no different than the others that bullied him, and he eventually came to hate Christians because He felt that they were no different than anybody else that had abused him in his growing up years. As a result, he developed a hatred for that. And then finally, he went to university in Heidelberg, and he was earning his doctorate degree there. And another man came up to him, put his arm around him, and said, Joseph, I think a lot about you. And he, war- he warmly embraced him. And he says, the two of us can do a lot together. That other man was a man named Adolf, Adolf Hitler. Joseph was none other than Joseph Goebbels, uh, Goebbels who 
went on to become Hitler's uh, basically public relations man and the voice of the Nazi party. And through the hatred that those two men really you know, had in their hearts and the way there was a great war and a great destruction and six million Jews and up to like 40, I don't know, 40-something million people that died just in the combat uh, parts of World War II, all of those different things. And, you know, it makes a difference how we walk, how we serve the Lord. I often wonder, what would it have been like historically if that young Joseph, as he came through a church door, was embraced by the people there, and they didn't tease him about his effects of polio as a cripple? Um, or, or how about Adolf Hitler himself, you know, those kinds. And I don't know, they made their choices, and their calamity came great in that. But you know, it makes a big difference, doesn't it, on which road you're on. The road of righteousness, or the road, or the path to hell. There's an old hymn, I've never heard it sung, I, don't, I couldn't even find, uh, I did find music to it, but um, it goes like this. It says, which way are you traveling, my brother? Which way are you going tonight? The broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow which leads into light. And the refrain says, which way, which way, which way are you going, my brother? The broad road leads to an endless night, but the narrow way leads to realms of day. The narrow way leads to realms of day. And then there's several verses that go with that. But it says, he'll walk ever closely beside you and lovingly guard to the end. Through danger and trial and sorrow, his presence will ever attend. And then the refrain again says, which way, which way, which way are you going, my brother? The broad road leads to an endless night, but the narrow way leads to realms of day. The narrow way leads to realms of day. Lord, we're grateful for your word. And Lord, we've just kind of quickly gone down through, again, these verses in Proverbs. We're grateful for the very simple statements that warn us and encourage us. And Lord, I pray, even tonight, that Lord, we'd follow you with hearts that are sought after for you, Lord, fully. God, we wouldn't have other gods that we serve. But Lord, we'd serve you. And Lord, you've promised that you'll be with us. You'll show us things. Things that we can't even imagine sometimes. And oh Lord, there's many things you want to do with such a people. So help us to be that. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.